This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 131. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. This is Brett Hurst. And we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, today's episode is called Improving Our Listening Game. I was just listening for the next thing you were <laughs> I knew going you were to say. Do something like that. <laughs> well, recently I came across an article written by Esther Perel and Mary Alice Miller. The title of it was called Six Essential Practices to Improve Listening Skills in Relationships. That's kind of a long title, but it's a really good article. You know, I, I'm always drawn to articles about communication, you know, whether it's speaking, listening, whatever. They they usually catch my eye because of the line of work that we're in. And some of the articles are just kind of the same old, same old, you know, it's just kind of the same stuff we always talk about, tips that aren't really, you know, new. But this one I thought was up a notch or two. A little more provocative. Yeah. And I thought some of the points were really helpful and I thought our listeners might think so too. So one of the things they talk about is understanding the difference between hearing and listening. Mm. Now, we've talked a lot on this show about the difference between those two things. And we've said, you know, most of us think that if we're in a conversation and we're not talking, (laughs) then we must be listening because we're not speaking. But the truth is, it's just not enough to say to someone, I'm hearing you, (laughs) because everyone wants to be listened to. So the point here is that what we want to do is not just listen, we want to communicate to our partner that we're listening. Stay actively engaged in the process. Exactly. And we want to show them that we're listening, which is, I think, a different level than just listening. And here's an example. Let's assume that I, Brett, you're telling me a story. And let's say that I'm kind of multitasking. I'm kind of cleaning up my desk or whatever. Let's say that for the sake of argument, I can actually listen totally intently to everything you're saying, follow everything you're saying. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. But I can't, I can't multitask, so I'm not <laughs> going to say that. But let's just say that you can do that while you're doing other things. Fine. But is that communicating to you that I'm listening? If I'm doing other things, let's say I can listen. Right. I can follow everything you're saying. Right. I can even have empathy for what you're saying but I'm not communicating to you, the speaker, that I'm listening. So thereby, at best, I'm assuming that you're listening. (laughs) Okay, now we're really getting in the weeds. My point is, if we care about someone, we want them to know that we're listening. Of course. So even if I'm able to do other things and still follow what you're saying, Mm As human beings, we all want to be listened to. That's part of how we validate each other. Mm-hmm. And so what I really want to do as a as a loving partner is I want you to know that I'm listening. So that means I'm going to put down whatever I'm, you know, has my attention. I'm going to sit. I'm going to give you eye contact. 
I'm going to do all the things we talk about, you Mm -hmm. know, turn towards you, all that kind of thing. But that's the bottom line here, I think, is if we're, we want to communicate to the person speaking that we are all in. Right. And that's a different level, I think. One, as we've spoken about many times before, communicating is not just talking, Mm -hmm. you know, and saying, like you said, I'm hearing you. Mm -hmm. I'm listening to you. Those are words that we would speak. Yeah. You know, in your communication package, according to research, that's only what, 8% of Mm -hmm. 7 or 8% of your package. Yeah. So there are other ways that you communicate that you're listening besides just saying, I'm hearing you. I'm listening. Right. It's it's also facial expressions, Mm -hmm. body language. All of those nonverbals. Right. Those intangibles. (laughs) So what do you think about your eyes? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not just that my eyes are looking at you, but even how your eyes communicate. Right. Because our eyes alone can communicate indifference, defensiveness, or active listening. I mean, that we, we can really communicate a lot without ever saying anything. You're exactly right. And I think a lot of couples get hung up on thinking that communication is just simply transactional. Mm-hmm. You know, I speak, you listen, bada bing, bada boom. But there's just so much more nuance to it. And a lot of times couples are don't have a lot of margin in their life. So they're rushed, they're stressed, they're pressed for time. And to talk about nuance in communication, that takes some time. And, and ener- energy. And energy. Focus. And focus, yeah. yeah. And a lot of times couples are just bereft of that. Is mm-hmm. that the right word? Bereft? I think it is. (laughs) They're bereft of that. And so in this culture of rush, 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 do, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, press for time. That's what I hear from a lot of young couples is that they just don't have the pace in their relationship to really do these things. But you can't shortcut this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you can get good at it and economical at it. But I think particularly when you're first starting out and you're trying to practice empathy and, you know, really good listening skills and all that, it just takes time. And if we want to move quickly through it, we're going to be frustrated, I think. And even while we're recording this, Mm -hmm. I'm hearing buzzes and beeps and (laughs) signals signals from our phone (laughs) that are kind of never ending. Yeah. So here's some questions based on the difference between hearing and listening that uh, the article suggested you ask each other as couples. Number one, what time of day do we tend to have our best conversations? This is huge for us. Really big because we know that after 8 p.m. at night, we are probably not going to have our best conversation. Not about anything substantive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can talk about baseball and, you know, what we're watching on TV. Yeah, right. (laughs) But it's not because by that point, we have already recognized we're tired, we're spent, we've, Mm -hmm. you know, been at work all day, whatever. And But for some people, that is their best time. And that's when they can really focus on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, some people aren't morning people, so they don't want to kind of dive into heavy conversations. That, but I think that's a great question yeah. to ask each other and and kind of what, and for some people, maybe it's not a time of day, but maybe it's a, you know, don't hit me up right when I come home from work right. about something heavy because I'm just not in the space for it. Or I'm not going to get into a conversation with you till you've had your first cup of coffee. Yeah, at least. exactly. Another question is, what is a telltale sign that my attention is fading. 
when we're when we're talking. I think that's great. I think of uh, a particular friend we have that we can always know when he is fading because he's usually real exuberant and real like full of vitality. Uh-huh. And there's a wall that he hits and his eyes start just kind of getting heavy. We've and- lost him. <laughs> exactly. He's gone. <laughs> but so that's, I think, a great question too. And then here's a really good question. Show me the face I make when I'm really listening to you intently. Yeah. Which is great. I, I remember a friend we had years ago who we used to always, we would get in very deep conversations with this person. And this person, when they were really listening intently, would have a look on their face that was a very furrowed brow uh-huh. and almost an angry look. And we used to think, oh my gosh, you know, she hates talking about this kind of stuff. Then we realized, no, that's her, that's her focus. That's face. her form of concentration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So rather than like the, the opposite of the resting face, you right. know, what is your intently focused face? I don't know. I thought that was kind of a cute question. No, it is. So something else they talk about in the article is to learn how to prioritize listening as much as you prioritize speaking. Mm-hmm. We, I think, are we're told from the time we're young, you know, use your words. Mm-hmm. Learn how to express speak. yourself and yeah. articulate Be things. clear, right. be assertive. It's, it's almost like culturally we learn how to be better speakers right. than we do, you know, or learn how to be uh, listeners. Which is certainly important. But it's not the most important thing. Yeah, I just don't think we're encouraged to make the listening piece mm-hmm. as much of a priority as we are the speaking piece. Totally so here's agree. a couple of questions they they suggested to ask your your partner. As a child, how could you tell when an adult was taking you seriously? I can tell that adults who take children's communication seriously are those that frequently get down physically to their mm-hmm. level. And, you know, maybe get down on the ground with them or stoop mm-hmm. down and go eye to eye and really mm-hmm. respect them in that way. I think that's very powerful. I, yeah. When I see that, I go, okay, this person really gets children. Yeah, exactly. But getting getting on their physical level and mm-hmm. being able to see things that way. So, uh, of course, we have uh, now three grandbabies. Yes, we uh, do. Right? Tech, as, of, as of this recording, all under the age of three. So, our middle, Paul is he's about to turn two. And one of the things he started doing recently is he'll come over to me and he'll say, <laughs> honey, and because that's my name is honey. And he'll grab my hand and go, hey, come here. Uh-huh. Hey, come here. And he wants to show me whatever it is he's trying to tell me. Right. And, you know, I guess when life is kind of crazy, it'd be tempting to just be like, you know, hold on, I can't come with you. But to actually go with him is showing him the active listening, you know, piece of that. So. Yeah, he's also besides physically bringing you to wherever his truck or tractor is, uh-huh. he's also wanting to pull you in, yes. to face to face. Yeah, because that physicality is very important. Exactly. Yeah. Um, here's another question to ask each other: Do you have memories of realizing that you were funny? particularly when you were young, because of how people reacted to you, maybe your storytelling or mm-hmm. something like that. I remember, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast or not, but I remember being in the sixth grade and I asked my dad if I was funny like my older brother. I have an older half brother and he didn't live with us full time, but he would come and when he would come and visit he was the funniest human being I'd ever known in my life. And he could make my dad laugh. He could do impressions. He could tell jokes. He was just awesome. And I remember asking my dad, am I funny? You know, like him? And my dad sort of looked at me very thoughtfully and he said, 
you've got a well-rounded personality. <laughs> and at first I was kind of like, oh, that sounds like I'm not funny. But then I thought, well-rounded, uh, that sounds that's, good. That's funny and then some. <laughs> Take it from me, Kel. You are funny. Um, you never have to worry about that one. <laughs> and then another question they suggest asking is, what were you taught at home growing up and in school about mm. listening? Mm-hmm. I think that's an incredibly valuable question. Because if we were around people growing up who did not listen, right? I always talk about my grandmother being that person for me. Not that my parents weren't good listeners, but my grandmother was exceptional mm-hmm. in the sense that she just didn't bring an agenda to the table. She would sit and listen as long as I wanted to talk about just inane things. Mm-hmm. She was so great that way. Okay. So the other thing they talk about in the article is to take your finger off the rebuttal button. This is key because research shows that when we're listening to something that we don't agree with, our brain takes about 10 seconds before we get triggered to respond with a rebuttal mm-hmm. or respond with defensiveness. That's about that's about three sentences for the other person to say before we're tempted to interrupt mm-hmm. with, and no, that's not how it is. Or, it in some way. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that can be really problematic when we're wanting to work on our listening skill. Mm -hmm. Because if all we want to do is jump in and correct, we're going to really be tempted to do that. So I think what I hear you saying is that we we need to practice the art of of disagreeing, of not being in sync with everything we hear. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. That's just life. We're, We're always going to hear things that, Either we violently disagree with them or mm-hmm. mildly disagree with them or or we're just going, hmm, mm-hmm. what do I think about that? I need to process that. I need to think about that further mm-hmm. and kind of put in check our default tendency to snap back with some kind of response. Yeah. I think this goes back to the difference between debate and dialogue. Right. Culturally, we're in very much a debating type of time right now. We're out for the kill to to win. We're out to win. We're out to prove you wrong and prove me right. Right. And dialogue is very different. Dialogue is that we can agree to disagree mindset. It's curiosity. It's I don't have anything to lose by Mm -hmm. putting my idea there and you putting your idea. And and the bottom line is a a lot more often we have something to learn from the other person than, than we realize. And frankly, that's the bigger win. Yeah. Is having that mindset of there is so much more for me to learn. Yes. You know, I get off the winning and losing (laughs) mindset and get into the lifelong learning Mm -hmm. concept that we've, we talk about all the time, not, not just on this podcast, but just in life as husband and wife, we, we talk about how much we value that and how we want to be true to that for the rest of our life. Yeah. So they suggest in the article, instead of listening for flaws or counter arguments, Mm -hmm. try to focus on what may be right about what the other person is saying. Right. Even if you disagree with 80% of what they're saying, you might have common ground at 20%. Right. And you can build something there. Right. And why is that so important? (laughs) There, I mean, we could do a whole nother episode of this, but I think it is... We tend to enjoy living in an echo chamber, right? Where we just want to hear people agree with us and, you know, say, yep, that's my story too, da 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 da. Most of us, it takes a little something of ourselves to join a, a conversation where 
hmm, really, that's a very different experience than I've had, right. or I feel differently about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we grow as people. Yeah. Again, it gets back to what's the higher value. I think the higher value, rather than always being right or striving to be right about everything, mm-hmm. is connection with people. Yeah. So back to what you said, if I'm looking for even the 5, 10, or 20% of what I'm listening to that I can agree with, I can be in union with, I can mm-hmm. be in community with even, mm-hmm. you know, then that gives gives me a bridge. It gives me something to build on because we want to be moving toward people, not away from people. Right. And right. so we need to be looking for those opportunities, those those bridges. Yeah, you're exactly right. Something else that they said in the article, which I thought was really, and this is something, Brett, you and I are already doing just intuitively, but they talk about reading aloud to each other. Mm-hmm. That practice alone can improve your listening skills. Now, you and I like to, we read a lot on our own, mm-hmm. but we always have a book that we call our co-reading book. Yeah, one or two. That we're reading together where one of us is reading aloud to the other and we'll take it with us when we go to a coffee shop or mm-hmm. or we just do it here at the house or when we're driving. And, you know, it takes a long time to get through a book like that. <laughs> it, it really does. Well, a lot longer than our Solo reads. Yeah, but I think it's been helpful for us because when someone else is reading, Mm -hmm. it does sort of force you to sort of up your game a little bit. Like I really have to kind of focus on, because sometimes if you're reading to me, my mind will sort of drift off to like my to-do list or whatever. And I've had to really sort of focus. So I think it's kind of like a a brain game too, in a sense, but you, you just can't go wrong improving your listening skills. And that's one way to do it. You know, when we're reading together at, over breakfast somewhere in a restaurant or something, I often wonder uh, what other people are. Yeah. I wonder about their curiosity. Like, <laughs> what the heck are they reading? Why are they reading it aloud to each other? Yeah. But uh, I really look forward to those. I do too. And then the last one uh, from the article, and I, I kind of tweaked this a little bit, but I, I thought this was a really good one. Ask each other to retell old stories and memories from your life together. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, the other person's going to tell it differently than you remember it. (laughs) But instead of interrupting with, no, that's not how it happened, or, you know, something like that, wait till your partner's finished telling the story or the memory and then share this. Huh, the way I remember it is dot, dot, dot. Uh Or my memory of that is a little different, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. That's different than saying, no, 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 that's not how it happened. But we do that all the time. And right. couples do that all the time. Yep. We'll hear, we'll have them tell us the story of how they met. Uh-huh. And one of them will start in, the other one goes, no, 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 you weren't wearing that. You had on jeans, you know, whatever it was. Right. And the truth of the matter is that's how memory works is it's, it's going to be very different for both of us. But instead of correcting each other, I think that might be a way to and and plus that's going down memory lane too, which is serving a, another part of your relationship. Right. Because even uh, John Gottman says that couples who fondly remember their past mm-hmm. together do better in the future. Yeah. So I'm, I'm laughing because we have such differing accounts of how we got engaged. Oh my gosh. And I, I think the older we get, we're getting fuzzier and fuzzier and more. I'm not getting fuzzier. Yeah, oh, of course not. Because you're... <laughs> Your way is true. Well, any other thoughts about listening well? I really like that last part about retelling old story. I mean, it's I such too. a big thing in our family with our grown kids. Yeah. And I'm sure it will be with their kids, <laughs> you know, that we just relive these 
old stories that only have meaning to us. That's right. It would be totally boring to anybody (laughs) outside of those experiences, but it is great that, like you said, when somebody else tells the story, they bring in another piece of information that you thought, yeah, I forgot about that part, Uh you know? And so that's always kind of interesting too. So it's, it's not always just redundant. Or yeah, meaningless, and it's also interesting to find because you can you can get insight into what's important to the other person by what they do remember that you may have forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, they remember that it was you know a gorgeous evening out when this happened, and you're like, "Huh, didn't even remember that part." You know, you know, I I think what's really important about all of what we've talked about on this is you and I, when we're working with couples, particularly with couples that are in crisis. Communication is the heartblood of all the work that we do with mm-hmm. married couples, whether they're engaged or moving from good to great or in some kind of serious uh, trouble. But don't you long when we're working with couples, don't you long for them to really get good at what yes. they're doing? You yes. know, we, you want them to not like we do everything well. Absolutely not. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we miss each other completely, yeah. but it's our desire to be yeah. good at this and, yeah. and to keep working on it. And I, I long for other couples to have that. Yeah, me too. It's it's good. This is where the good stuff is. Yeah. You know, may sound a little hard work, but it, it's worth it. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And if you're enjoying Marriage to the Max, help us keep it going by supporting Home Encouragement. Just go to homeencouragement.org and click the donate button. Any amount will help. And thank you to Anna Gabriel Mann for writing a sweet review for us on Apple Podcasts. We would be thrilled if you would rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps more people find Marriage to the Max. Well, thank y'all so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.